0: Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah! Hi everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Sarah Germaine Lilly. Today on Radio Gag, Jay Walker and I share with you our thoughts and commentary on the gun violence prevention news. Robert de Dominic shares news and views on the Parkland murderers trial verdict. But first, our in memoriam honors a victim of domestic violence to acknowledge Domestic Violence Awareness Month. This month, Gays Against Guns joins We All Really Matter, or WARM, a domestic violence intervention organization for their March to End Domestic Violence. October 27th, from 5 to 7 p.m. Gather at 4.30 p.m. at 155th Street and 8th Avenue to march to the Harlem State Building at 163 West 125th Street. Please join us. We met Stephanie McGraw, founder of WARM, because of the death of Asia Johnson this past summer. Asia Johnson, a young woman 20 years old, was killed July 2nd, 2022, as she walked with her three-month-old baby in a stroller on Manhattan's Upper East Side. Asia's mother described her as a young queen. My daughter graduated high school with merits, with the inspiration of becoming a pediatric nurse, Ms. DeSort said, reflecting on Johnson's upbringing in Brownsville, Brooklyn. She had a child early and she was the most wonderful mother that you can imagine. She was hard-working. She worked every day. She's got more credit than a 30, 40-year-old person has. She aspired to have houses and to give her children the best of everything. Although her mother tried to protect her, She lost her life because of domestic violence. Asia had filed a police report for domestic abuse in 2019 when she was pregnant. Her ex-boyfriend has been arrested in connection with her killing. Asia Johnson, we remember you. Next up, we'll hear from Robert Dinovnik, on the Parkland Killers Trial Verdict.
1: News story, Parkland trial. (laughs) Spared the death penalty. ABC News, October 13th. David Muir started his nightly broadcast on Wednesday, October 13th, saying, It was a deeply emotional scene in this courtroom today for parents who lost sons and daughters in the Parkland shooting. The jury spared the death penalty. Nearly five years later, these family members are still broken, still angry, and today, many broke down in tears as that decision was read. Each of the victims' names were also read aloud in the courtroom. Family members were outraged. Debbie Hickson, wife of Chris Nixon says, what this verdict says to me, to my family, to the other families, is that his life meant more than the 17 he murdered. Linda Beagle Schumann, mother of teacher Scott Beagle, who was killed as he was saving his students' lives, told reporters, if this wasn't the perfect death penalty case, then why do we have the death penalty? Juror Benjamin Thomas told reporters that he did not vote that way and that he was not happy with the verdict. Three people opted to vote for a life in prison without the possibility of parole. A jury must unanimously vote for a death penalty verdict. Patricia Oliver, mother of Joaquin Oliver, told ABC's Gio Benitez that the only person who got justice that day was the shooter. The prosecution argued was a sociopath carrying out a premeditated calculated attack. As for myself, a former teacher and gun violence prevention advocate, I am still shocked and still angry with this verdict. I can only imagine what the families are feeling. This monster stalked and hunted down his prey. Many victims were shot multiple times. Many were shot point blank in the head after being injured and trying to get away from the shooter. This verdict sends a message to other would-be mass shooters that they can get away with it and live a long, healthy life in prison. This is yet another reason why the United States is the only country in the world that regularly has mass shootings. And by regularly, I mean 464 this year alone. That's 464 mass shootings in the United States between January 1st and September 1st. It's October 18th. That number's got to be up quite a lot. This is Robert D. Dominic reporting for Gag Radio.
0: You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Gun show. Today, we're covering the gun violence prevention news for October 2022. Next up, I speak to activist J.W. Walker, a founding member of Gays Against Guns. Welcome, listeners, to Radio Gag. Today, I'm with Jay Walker, and we're going over some of the gun violence news headlines. Jay, what can you tell our listeners if this is the first time they've encountered Gays Against Guns?
2: Gays Against Guns was founded in the week after the the shooting at the Pulse Nightclub in Orlando, which happened on June 12th, uh, 2016. And we have been the only sustained direct action oriented gun violence Uh, Gun violence prevention organization really in the country, you know, managed to do sustained protests really nonstop for that five years, even through through the, the darkest days of the pandemic.
0: And we keep it rolling and we keep working to pressure the public, politicians, especially the gun industry to make reforms, make changes save lives, reduce injuries. That's what we're about. Exactly. But uh, we're talking about some of the news headlines today and what has been going on in the last week. And really last week there was kind of whiplash. So let's talk first about those two big trials, the Parkland killer verdict and the Sandy Hook families versus Alex Alex Jones' Infowars.
2: Yeah, it was kind of a, it, was, it was kind of bizarre and surprising that um, both of those trials came to a head really on the same day. You know, we got these announcements or within 24 hours of one another, two school shootings with the highest sort of body counts, I think, that we've had of all the school shootings that we've had in the 25 years since, since the Paducah, Kentucky, shooting which uh that um 25 year marker is this coming december i want to say first but it's the first week of december marks 25 years since paducah which actually predates columbine which is what kind of people think of as being the moment that these school shootings sort of came into public consciousness but the paducah one was actually a couple of years earlier you know with with alex jones you know, with these kind of huge settlements, you know, I think a lot of people don't know what to think about them. Like, they don't, you know, it's like, for me, it's, I don't know whether he will end up ever paying any money to anyone. I don't know if he will, um, if, if if he will appeal this, this verdict. Um But the fact is that, like, even with this almost a billion dollars levied against him, InfoWars is still going on and he's still going on the air and he's still, you know, um, with all of his bravado and his bluster and saying that, you know, he's not he's going to stand up to, I don't know, whatever he's saying, the woke mob or whatever, you know, nonsense, you know, he's prattling as a result of, of this verdict. I mean, you know, if the family's see some of the, see this money, you know, I guess that's great, but you know, we have, he's still allowed to, to, to spew all of this garbage and spew all of these lies. We somehow, you know, in our, our, our desire to, to maintain um, our, our freedom of speech and our freedom of press, we, you know, somehow just said that, okay, we're just going to allow people to say whatever they want over the airwaves or over the internet and then just wait until, you know, some judge decides that someone's lawsuit uh, against them for whatever reason has merit and can move forward. And then we just turn it into a, a payout. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a bizarre set of circumstances.
0: I, I I just it's it's well, hard to imagine the way that their lives have been destroyed over and over <laughs> again by the these horrible lies and by the popularity of this kind of lying in uh, our culture. And and, and, spe- and
2: speaking of which, let's not forget you know, it's the, you know the Sandy Hook shooting took place going on ten years. The ten year marker is is coming up um, this December as well. Um, but four and a half years ago. After Parkland happened, let's not forget that the same uh, the same cohort of people that spread all of these lies about the Sandy Hook families, you know, about this being uh, fake they they tried to do the same thing to Parkland. They did do the same thing to parkland they 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 lied and they said that some of the the kids that became the the public faces and voices of the march for our lives movement out of parkland they said that they were crisis actors they you know they they spewed all of this stuff as well so i don't even know whether whether you know are, are is you know is there going to be an a, a, another series of lawsuits around that i'm not even sure but dealing with the the sentence Um, That the parkland shooter received you know it's it's a really difficult thing i'm going to be honest with you for me as as someone who um who considers myself a progressive i've honestly been against the death penalty for my entire adult life after really sort of looking into it looking into the racial disparities looking into you know how often people who are are actually innocent of crimes, get convicted of capital crimes, and get sentenced uh, to the death penalty. Now, I know obviously that doesn't apply to the situation. The the shooter at at um, at Marjory Stoneman Douglas High. We know that this person who was on trial actually did it. He was identified. He was he was um, arrested shortly thereafter nearby with his weapons. You know, there's no question that he is the person who who, who killed um the seventeen students and teachers. And I completely understand the emotions of, you know, of our uh of the Parkland community and the Parkland families, and some of whom have, have become extraordinarily close to, to myself and to, to members of, of Gays Against Guns, folks like Manny Oliver, uh, you know, and and Patricia Oliver, um, you know, folks who have you know, really gone through it. And we've, we've seen, we've seen, you know, the way that they've suffered, the way that they've, they've sort of triumphed in some ways over that suffering, the way that they've put their, the trauma that they and their families have gone through into what I consider public service, activism as public service. And so I would never take away from their desire to see this person put to death. You know, I, you know, you know, uh, I didn't have my child killed in a school shooting. They did. And so I would never, um, never criticize what they, um, you know, what they feel is the just result of this trial. For those of us who aren't directly connected to the horror that happened in Parkland on that day, um, and for those of us who put ourselves on the progressive side of things it's a little it's a little difficult you know like all i can do is i, I support them and in, in what and their right to say what they want and say what they feel and to express themselves and their disappointment um, at the sentence at the life sentence that he was given rather than the death sentence um the shooter there's a lot there's a lot to unpack in that there's a lot to think about there's a lot that we need to think about as a society how it all uh, you know, comes out with Alex Jones, same thing. You know, why is he not in jail? Yeah, he unleashed a mob on these people. These people were docs. They had people calling them and threatening their lives, and sending them scary stuff in the mail, and showing up at their doorstep, and doing all these horrible things. How is he not in jail for this? How is the only way to seek justice is through financial means and not having him punished? you know, through the criminal justice system. I don't understand it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, these cases just make me feel like, how can people ever feel a sense of justice? And it's really only when strong representatives stand up and have the courage to tell the truth and, and, and hold public officials accountable, like what we see in the capital riot hearings. Back to our conversation with J.W. Walker exploring the context of guns in the January 6th Capitol insurrection and subsequent hearings. If we can move away from um, Parkland and, uh, um, and from Alex Jones, you know, that is another context in which guns play a huge role. And the whole idea that our president at the time would want people to go through you know to take down the weapons detectors it, the calculated and the the coldness of saying you know they're not going to be shooting at me Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: and it's just it, you know and it's it's also with the justice department dragging its feet on on charges i mean those of those of us who sat in our homes and watched the hearings that were broadcast and read endless news articles about evidence um, that has been um, put forward to the committee, you know, throughout the whole last year and a half. You know, it, it boggles my mind that this armed insurrection was instigated by the then-sitting president. And we're, you know, almost two years after after the case, we know that there was this broad essentially conspiracy to 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 overthrow the government, really and to and to to cause the you know, to, to to undermine the functioning of our of our our peaceful transfer of power, which happens every four to eight years. Um and you know, none of these elected officials have been held to account. None of these, you know, Jenny Thomas was was uh, interviewed, but they just sort of bowed down to her and say, "Okay, Jenny Thomas, you don't want your interview to be on videotape. We won't videotape your interview. We'll just we'll just, you know, uh, stenograph it down. Um, You know, we won't record we won't record your voice on on uh, even on audio, I don't believe. You know, th- there's all of these people that make all of this money in their jobs that hold all of these uh, incredibly powerful positions, or are married to people that hold incredibly powerful positions. Um, you know, and none of them have been charged. You know, the foot sh- the foot soldiers are all getting charged, and as well they should be. Um, you know, the one percenters and the oath keepers and the proud boys and you know just the the you know the, the rando real estate agent soldiers <laughs> the workers know, all the foot soldiers <laughs> exactly but like you know not josh hawley pumped his fists at them rah 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 you know and and not marjorie taylor green who was uh you know who was literally tweeting out the location of all of the congress people um, where they were in the Capitol complex after they were evacuated from, um, you know, from uh, from the, the main, you know, the main wells of, of the capital. Um, she's tweeting out where they are and basically betraying their positions to to these insurrectionists. And the insurrectionists are talking about it and saying, oh, she's telling us where they are. Um, the 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 representatives that gave tours to some of these insurrectionists days you know days and weeks before the insurrection
0: Senators who uh, bust people uh, Marsha yeah. Blackburn had a huge uh, had a huge bust from Tennessee yeah. the number of former law enforcement and former military involved mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. these paramilitary organizations, you know, I remember having conversations with you, Jay, before these events unfolded, talking about these very same groups.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, the awareness really has to, well, we have to wake up to the fact that um, there's a culture in law enforcement and in uh, in military culture, apparently, that is anti-democratic. and And it shouldn't be, and it isn't, I hope to God that it's not the dominant culture, but we have to work for that. We really have to work against that. And I, we will never rebuild trust in our communities until we can get to that.
2: Until, yeah, until we do That's that, until, and, but until people are held accountable, like a report came out about 300 plus elected officials, members of law enforcement, people who were quote unquote pillars of their communities, who were part of the Oath Keepers, who were, you know, who are who are active members of Oath Keepers, which literally was the main, you know, the main uh, spearheading foot soldier part of the insurrection, and you know, all this information was put out about them, but I haven't heard anything about charges. I haven't heard of anything about people I- I- impeaching them or demanding resignations or demanding firings. You know, depending upon what their position is, whether they're a hired person or an elected person in in the local communities, I haven't heard anything about it. Um, and it, you know, it, this happens constantly. And this, ha- you know, and as a black person, you know, I can tell you this has been happening. Uh, this happens all the time. It's been happening forever. My hometown that I grew up, you would hear about. You, you know, you you get a report about. Oh, there was a Klan rally out in the wood out out in the woods somewhere. Um, and and people would be identified as having you know gone to the Klan rally, and you know there would be no no consequences. There would be no consequences at all for them. And that same thing has been going on nonstop. We you know we talk about white supremacist infiltration of law enforcement. The FBI has talked about it. The Brennan Center just issued a brand new report about it uh, in in uh, the fall of. 2020, I want to say, or 2019, Um, you know, all this information is there, but our, our legal system, our, our our system of justice doesn't care. And it says a lot. And when people say that, that, you know, the United States was built on white supremacist patriarchy, and then people want to like, sort of like shut that down, this is what you look at. This is what you look at, and and this is your evidence that yeah, that's what it was. That's the way it functions. They always get off after the Civil War. White slaveholders were 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 paid off for for um, you know for the loss of property, you know, in the post Reconstruction era. You know, the black people weren't paid for the most part. For you know the fact that they've been laboring for free, it was the white slave owners who were given recompense because they lost their property when you know when uh, emancipation occurred, and so I mean, that kind of that, that says what our our values as as a country have always been.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go to uh, one final cheery thing and bring it on home. <laughs> to- <laughs> well there was this road rage incident two dads uh on the highway in their trucks with their kids yeah carrying their guns and they started to get into this thing this brake checking thing where one pulls ahead and then uh, slams on the brakes in front of the other in order to, to make yeah so they started doing this and they rolled down their windows and started firing at each other and they actually hit their children Good Lord. And the kids, um, the kids were wounded and treated, but I, their lives have been changed irreparably. No doubt. Yeah. What did this bring up? You heard about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I
2: I, I did hear about this and, you know, and, and you know, that reminds me of the, the, um, the shooting in, 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 uh, in North Carolina. Because, you know, this is, this is like parents. This is parents, you know, caring more about, you know, their need to have their security guns on them. Cause that's, you know, that's what they are like. You know, they're like, they're like Linus's security blanket in peanuts. You know, they have no functional, they have no functional reason to have these guns, but they just feel better having them. And it's more important that they feel better having these guns. They feel better at being strapped than, than, uh, than the safety of their children or the, the mental health of, of their child and making sure that their child can't go out and kill a bunch of people in the case of North Carolina. It's like that, you know, their their need to have their little safety totem or their arsenal of safety totems overrides, you know, any any care that they have for their community any love that they have for their family members. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it's, the, it's the, the number one concern that they have. It's the number one thing that they care about. And it's, you know, it's kind of a twisted
0: reality that these people must live in. I just got it. So it's like their cell phone. Except it goes bang, bang, bang and can hurt. Except it
2: goes bang, bang, bang. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's like too much time, too much time with your guns, like too much screen time.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: Wow, wow, wow.
0: Okay. Well, thanks a lot for talking with uh, Radio Gag and have a great week. We'll talk to you soon, Jay. So long. Talk
2: to you soon, Sarah. Thanks.
0: To find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at Gaze Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram, or gagnoguns on Twitter. Also, be sure to check out our website to learn more about actions. Sign up for info about meetings and actions at gagsignup at gmail.com. That's G-A-G-S-I-G-N-U-P Gag Up at gmail.com. Come to a meeting. We meet the last Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. in Manhattan at the LGBT Center on 13th Street, where we will be planning all kinds of great action and protests. So please join us. Everybody is welcome at any and all gag events. And this month, Gays Against Guns joins We All Really Matter, or WARM, a domestic violence intervention organization, for their march to end domestic violence, Thursday, October 27th from 5 to 7 p.m. Gather at 430 at 155th Street and 8th Avenue to march to the Harlem State Building, 163 West 125th Street. Please join us. It's time to end our show. So don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on any major podcast platform. We leave you with our fabulous political singing queertet, Sing Out Louise. Have a great and safe day. <laughs> Live from the Rumpus Room. <laughs>
3: Building a wall between churches and Congress Making a choice between rightness and wrongness Taking down tyrants who act like they're kings These are a few of my favorite things The right to gather and the First Amendment Choices I'd rather and thoughts independent Getting a lawyer when I'm in a fight these are a few of my favorite rights. When the laws bend, when the feds cheat, and I'm feeling mad, I simply remember the Constitution, and then I don't feel so bad. Marching around when I'm angry with Congress, shall hang them down to make them keep their promise. Going to school, feeling safe day and night. These are a few of my favorite rides. When When the news sucks, when when the jerks win, and I'm feeling mad. I simply remember the Constitution, and then
1: I don't feel so bad.